The QPR podcast is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code QPRPOD and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. QPR! Hello and welcome. We've done some strange podcasts at times, but we've never done one from the House of Commons. This is a first for a QPR podcast, or any podcast, I'd imagine. So it's myself, Paul Finney, Chris Charles, Andrew Shearer, named after the famous footballer, I'm sure, <laughs> but he's got more her. And of course, Alan Johnson. You've got many titles after your name, but today it's just QPR. Is that Absolutely. Your... Alan Johnson, QPR. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, tell us how and why QPR, Alan. How, how did you get into it? Because I was born in... Kensal Town, Notting Dale, whatever you know, yeah. not Notting Hill. We didn't have Julia yeah. Roberts and uh, <laughs> Hugh Grant down our way very much. Um, and QPR with a local team. In fact, in those days, I don't remember anyone supporting teams other than their local team. You didn't have this phenomenon where people supported Manchester United, yeah. who you know lived in Fulham or whatever. And I used to go to watch Fulham and Chelsea because QPR were third division, of course, right. firmly third division. Uh, and my first game against Bournemouth, 1938, that left the third division south, so it was third division. They'd only been promoted once in their whole history, just after the war. So to see first division football, I'd go to Fulham and I'd go to Chelsea. Uh, and my friend, I went to school in Chelsea. Uh, the kids there, if they lived in Chelsea, they supported Chelsea. If they lived in Fulham, they supported Fulham. Brentford, which was our big rival, mm. you know, they were the, some of the kids around our way supported Brentford because they were another local team. Mm. You didn't support teams outside of your patch, so I was bitten by QPR from so, a very young age. So a lot of people would not know Nottingdale, but it was actually quite a poor area without patronising it in any any, any manner. Um, so, yeah, which yeah. means that QPR yeah. were a very working class football club with yeah. probably li- we're ambitious now, but in them days, I guess QPR wasn't very ambitious. I couldn't afford to be. No, they always had, a, you know, a, a, an ambition to be more than the third division club they were. So when Alex Stock, I remember when Alex Stock came there, you know, and players like John Collins and Mark Lazarus and um, players that, uh, Roy Bentley, who'd been an England international and mm. now is playing at right back, you know, there was a bit of a, I don't know, there was a gloss about QPR that... that made you think they were very different to Brentford for instance yeah. that seemed to be in a mindset that they were a third or fourth division team despite the fact they'd been in the second division quite recently um, whereas QPR I think were, were always quite ambitious but they didn't have the money but you didn't actually money wasn't a big factor of football in those days Man, you had Reg Allen in them days as well Reg Allen a great goalkeeper yeah uh, sold for I think was then a record fee for a goalkeeper to. I've always thought this year a film in his life story. He had the most amazing life story, like one man submarine. He got captured in during the war and everything else. Oh really? Yeah, really, really interesting story. Fascinating. I mean, when I started watching him, Ray Drinkwater was the goalkeeper, and there's a player called Drinkwater who plays for Leicester now. And I often wonder. It's not a common name, is no, it? Whether no. He's, <laughs> whether he's related to him, um, but so it was Ray Drinkwater. It was uh, Tony Ingham was playing it. Centre uh, half. Uh, we paid big money for a guy called Jim Dugdale from Aston Villa, and that I mean that must have been about two thousand quid, I suppose. But to Rangers, <laughs> it was the equivalent of a small fortune. You know. So, so what are the memories of your first game? That, that, what Very vivid. I remember the um, 
Bournemouth's um, nickname, I'm pretty sure I've seen different nicknames for Bournemouth, but at that time was the Candyman. And there was a guy in red and white with a top hat that used to lead them out onto the pitch. You know, a very early mascot. Well, at least yeah. he wasn't walking around one of those stupid bear bloody things. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, black and white scarf and a cane like a stick of rock and out they came. Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic. They've taken That's the right, Boscombe yeah. Athletic yeah. off now. Um, I remember them running out on a pitch because you could walk anywhere in, in the ground then. And uh, um, I'm not even sure where the Rangers... Rangers won. We had a prolific goal scorer, Brian Bedford. Uh, yeah. In fact, it might still be the record holder, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, George Goddard, I think. Oh, it was George Goddard before yeah. him, yeah. right? He was part of the promotion team second uh, in the late 40s. Um, anyway, you know, we had a good team and I'm pretty sure we won, but you know, that was that was the start. And the hardcore support then was probably maybe 4,000, 4,000 or 5,000? Something like that. Yeah. It's a guy called Albert Cox. Uh, who was my mate Tony Cox's dad, and he was uh, absolute kind of. Well, I say the story of my childhood memoirs. My dad, Sunday Times, said the word feckless could have been invented for it. <laughs> he was out playing a piano in the pubs and womanising and drinking. But Mr. Cox was that kind of stolid working class person, worked for the London Underground as an engineer, wore his army beret uh, from the Second World War, always wore it, a bit like Frank Spencer sort of thing, <laughs> uh, worked on the allotment. You know, never stopped working for his family. Every other Saturday, he would have his place where he stood uh, in Loftus Road. So my mum didn't particularly want me to go aged eight to a football match. When I said Mr Cox was going to be there, she said that was fine. And he would stand there, like, with his flask of coffee and his sandwiches, watching the match. He wouldn't take any notice of me at all, or his son, Tony. We used to run around everywhere, you know, sort of change position at half-time, go and stand at the other end. Uh, which you could do in those days. And, and sorry, are you, are you just um, alluded to your your book there, this boy, uh, your memoirs, <clears throat> and and anyone who's read that's a really good book. I suggest you read it. Um, but you you had a pretty rough trot of it growing up in Notting Hill. Yeah, I mean, was, was yeah. QPR a sort of form of escapism at the time? Did it? I guess it was. Yeah. I mean, that music books um, and actually, you know, my father never took me to any matches or anything but he gave me the handbook every team used to have a handbook at the end of the season with all the stats and it was on shiny paper and he gave me the hand the cover was missing unfortunately the handbook from their promotion season in I think it was 46, 47 well and you know that started me off with my interest in QPR so I sort of thank him for that but I mean other people had it rougher everyone lived I mean it was uh, poor area as you say and everyone you didn't notice you didn't think you were living in poverty because everybody else was living in the same conditions you know no indoor toilets no running hot water no uh, electricity gas uh, buckets of urine in the corner because you don't want to go down to the terrible Kazi that was traditionally about two families on every floor about 16 people in a three story house they were terrible conditions but they were terrible conditions uh, all over the country the weird thing I always remember, because obviously I, I grew up away from Notting Hill, but yeah. I, I lived in Westwood Park, was when you speak to the older people about Notting Hill and, and the urban and everything, else, no one ever regretted living there or coming up through there, because it was, it was like a platform for life. They, they learned, because yeah. it was one of the mirrors, I guess the community is slightly, it's massively different now, isn't it? I mean, we can yeah. talk about Judah Roberts films and stuff yeah. like that. They wouldn't have made a film in them days. And you were talking about that exhibition. I mean, were you in the, in the, the photographs in the exhibition? I think my sister's in one. This is Roger Main, yeah. who came and took these photographs in the mid-50s of Southam Street. I mean, just yeah. rocked up in my street. 
Um, my sister's in the background of one. I'm not in in uh, in any of them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very different. It's very different now. But society is very different now. You know, in those days, it wasn't an age of peaceful innocence. I mean, if you were different, if you'd come over from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Place, my mother came from Liverpool. All she right. had to change her accent very quickly because, not because she was ashamed of it, because you, if you didn't fit in, when the black guys came over from the Caribbean at our invitation to come and drive our buses and and thought they were coming to the mother country and you know they'd get a big welcome, it was rough. For them. Oh. It was rough for women. Uh, you know, if you a married woman couldn't hire a television or sign a HP high purchase agreement without her husband countersigning it. Uh, and if you were deserted by your husband, as my mother was, that was it. All the benefits, child benefit as it as was, went to the husband. It didn't come to oh. the woman at all. So it was a rough it was a rough time. Uh, and I think, you know, society's got better over the years, not worse. But you're right, a lot of people who went through that, who've written written to me, read the book, grew up in Southam Street or whatever have done really well for themselves, you know, they've gone on all. so I suppose in a way it was a, I wouldn't, wouldn't choose, I wouldn't choose that childhood for any of my kids, but it, it kind of was character forming, I suppose. And as, as, as Chris says, going to QPR was a great escape because it was just all glory, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, was it, yeah, Jesus. You have a bad week, you turn the Rangers and they, obviously they win, everyone's happy. Yeah, but I tell you, you know this as QPR fans, I mean, you know, for Man United fans, Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, oh, every year, oh, uh, they blase about success. For us, when success came. Yeah. I mean, in particular, you know, I was there, kind of, I was there at the birth of rock and roll, and I was there when QPR, when Rodney came, and when everything suddenly oh, changed, wow. and suddenly we were third division, second division, League Cup final, obviously, yeah. and second division, and then first division, Rangers in the first division in the top tier. My God, you saw it soaked all that in uh, and I think we appreciate it more we do appreciate the Absolutely, bits of success yeah, we yeah, get yeah, more true. than those that get success all the time but I've always been proud of our club I mean the thing is with Rangers fans I've always noticed and I've, always, I've said it many times in the podcast we are more than a football club we are a community like if you see a QPR yeah. fan, no matter where you are, you could be you could be in the Sahara Desert. You meet a Rangers fan, you have a good yarn. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like where I I live in North London, so you got like Spurs and Arsenal fans, and they, they don't talk to each other. They just, they just wear shirts. Rangers fans, yeah. I do think, have a special bond, yeah. and that could be because we struggled. You say Rodney, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're lucky. So I missed all that. I missed Rodney. I missed Stanley. I had Steve Slade. <laughs> oh dear. It, it, it wasn't so good. But what, what do you remember about Rodney then? When you first oh, everything, Rodney everything. That's his photos up there. Uh, Oh, he was just amazing. He was amazing. You would pay to get into the ground just to watch Rodney in the pre-match kick-around. He'd juggle the ball. Sometimes he'd juggle oranges. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was a complete showman. I mean, there was one guy who played for West Brom called David Burnside who was supposed to be a fantastic ball player and then kind of joined a circus after he left football doing juggling. Actually, Rodney could have done that. But he was a big man. But he had this real touch, like a ballet dancer's touch with the ball. So the things Rodney did with the ball, and none of it was ever on film. They never filmed our matches. Nice. Third division, second division. Of course, yeah. You'll see Rangers <laughs> fans now who say, we just looked at each other aghast at the things he'd done. Um, and sometimes, he did the same at Man City, but my mate who's a Man City fan tells me that Rodney once took a penalty and tried to lob the goalkeeper from the penalty spot. And he missed. <laughs> he missed, but everyone clapped. <laughs> he, was just a, he was just a showman. You know? So I loved, I loved Rodney. It was worth going to, 
to watch just a little bit of skill now. Everyone does banana shots now, as yeah. we used to call them. Yeah. Painting the ball. Rodney was doing that in the 50s and 60s. And you were at, presumably, you went to the, the League Cup final in 67. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was in the book. And yeah. then played a gig with my band that evening in Shepherd's Bush, some wedding. Uh, and they were all Rangers fans there. And wow, that must have been a fantastic day. Yeah. Jesus, it was amazing. Did anyone leave at half-time? It was amazing. No, nobody left. Uh, yeah, because you'd have left with Rangers 2-0 down. Yeah. And Chippy Clark, who used to, who was a winger for us, having scored the two goals. So, Clark, uh, so how was his real name? Clive Clark? Chippy, yeah. he was known as, had gone to West Brom from Rangers. Oh, he was scoring two goals against us in the first half. That's so very QPR, though, isn't it, to be fair? If it was ever going to happen, it would always happen. It's going from two yeah, yeah, yeah. down. I yeah, always yeah. say this. When you look at the yeah, newspaper yeah, yeah. and someone has to score 30 games and they're playing us, you know who's getting the hat-trick, don't you? You just, you just, you just know. Did you go to um, Wembley with some, uh, the last the last playoff final? Did you Did you get to, to yes. that one? Yeah, I was there. So I was I, on my way to the Hay Book Festival, by the way. I oh. told them... I'd be late going to the Rangers match. Brilliant. And when it was coming near the end... Right, <laughs> You're probably I was, the only person there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was with Carolyn, my partner. We are down to ten men. Yeah. I said to Carolyn, right, we're late getting to it. We've got this drive day. Let's leave now. Listen to the extra time on radio because it's only going to go one way. Yeah. We're going to lose or we're going to win it on penalties. And almost as soon as I said that, Bobby Zamora mm-hmm. scores. And Jesus, the, uh, the emotion... And probably people say this thing about went up too soon, you know, maybe we did. I mean, no one thought we were in any shape, really, did they, to be in the Premier League. We no. were lucky against Derby. But, you know, the glory of going straight back up. Uh, I mean... I'm, you wouldn't swap that for anything. No, exactly. No one can take that away from us. No one can no. take... I mean, I, I, you know, um, took my little girl. I'm going to get in trouble with this. Somebody on the message board said he mentions his little girl every time. So I apologise <laughs> to for offending you. But it was, because I took her along, it was a particularly magical day and as you say we do do it the difficult way and, and we're not used to winning stuff so it was extra special for our Arsenal or Chelsea you get that every other year it's no big deal yeah, really yeah. But, but for us it was great amazing. and I remember the last time I went with my I've got a son from an earlier marriage as well and a son from this way but me and Jamie, my eldest son, went to see Rangers against Oxford United oh. in the League Cup. That never happened. Milk no. Cup. Yeah, yeah. 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 Talk about Alan. Oh, I know. <laughs> but we had to drive back. We lived in Slough at the time, so we had to drive back from Wembley up the M4 with all no, these coaches no. of Oxford fans, and we broke down on the side of the oh. with our Rangers sticker in no. the back. Imagine my son, who was about 10 or 11. It kind of, I think it damaged him for life. It scarred him for life. But but he still he still goes. He's a right, oh, big Rangers fan. Yeah, yeah. And, and is he the he the musician? I know he's, he's a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because yeah, yeah. I've I've read about your, your book taking him along when he was seven to his yeah, first yeah. game. Yeah. Um, which would have been when when? Uh, that was against Liverpool in seventy eight. Right. Okay. Uh, it was kind of just the end of the glory days. We're coming to the end. That team with Jerry Francis and yeah. Don Gibbons, Stan Bowles, and all that. Yeah. But you mentioned Rodney earlier. I mean, I know this is the sort of um, Messi Maradona question, but having watched both of them, I, I saw I saw Bowles. I didn't see him as much as I'd like to have seen him, but um, I never got to saw Rodney, uh, mm. see Rodney. Simply, I wasn't old enough. But how would you compare those two? Uh, very well. They were both ball players. Uh, I'd go for Rodney because Rodney did amazing things. Stanley was much more successful. Scored, well, I don't know, if he scored more goals, but he certainly scored him at higher level whereas Rodney was always kind of lower level um, uh, but we, you know I saw I say in the book um, 
that one miserable bloody wet end of season game you know these kind of games you've got nothing to play for you, you wonder why you're there I was there with my mate Albie Horn who was postman with me at Slough and it was Rangers versus Carlisle and Carlisle had this player Bowles and as we walked out I honestly said to Bertie Horn we all bloody buy it of course. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of credit yeah. uh, doing that. But, scouting but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I once saw Rodney run the full length of the pitch, and I hope someone listening to this was at this game. It was against, I think, Bristol City, and the full back was like bow legged and bald. That might just be in my imagination, but <laughs> Rodney ran with a ball practically from our own penalty area, and he did this thing with a ball like you do with a snooker ball on a snooker table. If you hit it like that, it goes forwards and stops, and it makes it look as if it's unelastic. Rodney did that with the ball, half the length of the pitch. This fullback didn't know what to do when the ball was coming out and going back, and, and finished the run with a shot that just missed. And everyone just turned, as so often with Rodney. You know, they couldn't believe it. And it made their kind of weekend. Yeah. He did, uh, he did amazing things with the ball, which Stanley, because he was much more disciplined, I suppose, as well, you know, he, he was very skillful, but didn't have that level of showmanship. So I just sni- I, I think Rodney would just snatch it on that. I can only say I, I'm jealous of all of you, to be fair. Yeah, I, yeah. I you, you, saw, you saw Johnny Byrne. Uh, he was yeah, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Byrne. Was Simon here. Stainrod. I mean, you know, and um, the American guy. Wiggly. Uh, Wiggly. Wiggly. Yeah, Wiggly. Uh, Addy Sinclair used to love as well. We had that list of Tony Curry, that long line of number 10. But you say that in the book as well, that, you know, although we've never been as successful as you know as uh, some of our peers especially in London teams we won't mention um, yeah. that we've always had players we've always had flair players you know with, yeah. I think you mentioned Adele Tarab um, yeah Tarab being the latest one uh, yeah um, there's always been someone that we can we can look up yeah. to and um, yeah. I like the fact you man- yeah. managed to re- mention Tarab's name in the House of, House of Commons. <laughs> well, well done, Chris. That's the first. Can you, 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 you tell me what's happened to Tarab? Is he still with he's us? A, he's gone he? to Benfica. I think he's yeah. still, he? still yeah. a bit with weight issues. Jeez, he's gone on loan or he's been... No, he's been it's a five-year deal. Crikey. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a five hamburger deal by the end of it. He's, yeah. he's not yeah. doing well. Which is a shame because probably one of the talented players I've seen since Wigley. Really. Such a Oh, very, very talented player. That promotion season. Oh, that ball he did at uh, Coventry oh, yeah. with the outside of his foot, yeah. and in comes um, Routledge. Yeah. A big mistake to sell him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but then maybe they wanted to go. Sometimes the players. But the other thing is, you think about all the players: Tony Curry, as you said, Steen Road. You know, we've been blessed with number tens. Yeah. Kevin Gallen. You know, yeah. you know, it's, it's some of what we've had, but. You only get there as a QPR fan. I mean, other teams don't understand when we got about the number 10 shirt being so special. Even, I'm sure, today players want to have that number yeah. 10 shirt. So, yeah. do you imagine back in the day, the players you've seen, I mean, yeah. you're blessed. I mean, do you think that Rodney should have had more England caps? Or is that just a Oh, really yeah, of course he should. Of course he should. But Ramsey, I mean, famously, when Ramsey said to him, I'm going to put you <laughs> off at half time, and Rodney said, Oh, that's good. At Man City, we usually just get an orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> He took the mick, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but you had to see Ramsey's England after the World Cup. I mean, he was so, you know, our World Cup team were wingless wonders, but you might as well call them flair, flairless wonders. Okay. He didn't like flair. He wanted Jeff Hurst back to goal, you know, laying the ball off. At the time, someone said Jeff Hurst is the best player off the ball. 
And I thought, what's the point? It's like saying they're the best violinists without a violin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Rodney was the best player with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. But he, I'm surprised that Ramsey played him at all. It was only public uh, pressure that made him pick him. I remember he came on as a sub against Switzerland for England in a friendly. And then what? He got, I think, seven, eight caps, something like that. Um, and I'm surprised he got that many, actually, because yeah. he was such an anti-establishment and he wasn't going to do things the way Ramsey told him to do it. He was an entertainer, Rodney. He just wanted the crowd to go home having seen something that was yeah. exceptional and remarkable. And that's a similar story with Stan. He got five five caps, I think, in the end. Yeah, and players like Len Shackleton, who's another great entertainer yeah. in the past. Wolf Mannion, you know, they never really get the recognition they deserve. In fact, Len Shackleton was famous for doing his autobiography. One chapter was headed, The Average Football Director's Knowledge of the Game. And it was four blank pages. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably true. I was saying that. We, 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 we say we're the Maverick number 10, but we certainly had a Maverick chairman at the time as well. I mean, what, yeah. what, what Jim did Gregory, at QPR yeah, was... Yeah, no, he's was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think of the whole ground he built, I mean, I remember, I, I'm old enough now, he wouldn't think it, I know. So remember when <laughs> no I one was no one was contradicting you. No, yeah. <laughs> did you know? So, so yeah, he yeah. had to say yeah, he, he wouldn't to, think yeah. it. I know. <laughs> For the better for the listeners, I look like um, yeah, Steve, just, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the ground was actually modern, wasn't it? When you think of it, the, the stands, but what, what yeah, you think? How you built it, really? Yeah, yeah. You think it was a? You see, all through gas, it's fifty. It was a mud. Basically, loft was a mud bank, wasn't it? Really, yeah. you yeah. know. And, and you look at the ground that he left us, and what do you think? Will you be sad when and if QPR actually ever do leave Loftus Road? Not if they leave it for Royal Oak. Um, I think, you know, it's near enough. If they left it for Milton Keynes or something, you know, obviously. Mm. But I kind of think if they're going to be the kind of club that we, we want them to be, or I think we want them to be, successful, top tier, um, they're constrained where they mm. are at the, book, at the Loftus Road. So moving... Back near, I suppose, Queen's Park. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where we started. Old Old um, Common. Old Old Common. Is not outrageous. Whether they're going to pull it off, I don't know. Mm. So many. Guns. You must have a few strings you can pull. Believe <laughs> <laughs> me, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> it's a massive regeneration, though, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're only very, I suppose, in, in, as luck would have it, if we had gone there 10 years ago, we probably would have got it. Yeah. Easily, and now yeah. because of the trains and everything else, it's, it's a massive development. But yeah. it's interesting to say because a lot of people don't want to leave the ground. I'm I'm torn up myself because I found out you know I was going to have a child. Uh, not me personally, yeah. um, and <laughs> you know memories of Loft is brilliant. Because when you came from Belfast, I didn't know anyone, so I met all my friends at, at Loftus Road. So yeah, I, and the memories not there. So I'm kind of thinking if, if they do, I'll be, yeah, be sad. I'll be sad. But I was I went during the White City experiment. You know, I trailed like? all the way down to White City. It was awful. Oh. It was awful. This was this huge ground with this running track that cut you off from the pitch. It held something like seventy thousand. It's built for the Olympics in '48. That was a night that we were just talking about Rangers' ambition. I mean, that was 1962. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they decided to move to White City. There was a statement of ambition. But there's kind of four thousand of us rattling around in this mm. huge stadium. No atmosphere. Uh, you could hardly see. You know, it wasn't like Loftus Road. You could see mm. everything. You experiencing it all um, so that was something that didn't work at all and fortunately they gave up at the end of the season and moved back yeah they were just there for that one just that one and I don't think it was anything to do with the deal to get I think 
it was just they realised they'd made a mistake. But what, 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 were they, what, what happened to Loftus Road in during that season? Then I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, did they just sort of say, "Well, we'll just keep it nice, just in case they want to come <laughs> yeah, back"? Or what? Well, they had a lot of foresight if they did. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I mean, today you, you, yeah. it, it'll be it'll been sold off uh, houses, houses, and that would be maybe the, yeah. they were clever enough because it was in the Jim Gregory period. Maybe right. they were clever just at the start. Of it. I think it was anyway. Maybe it was they knew they would try it out and see how it worked for a year because nobody else wanted the White City it was yeah. virtually decreed I mean, it's gone now of course Yeah. so you know they might have had an offer they couldn't refuse That's see how it goes and if you've done work it's great right having a try before you buy a football yeah, stadium yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you lads want to research it yeah, research, yeah, we, uh, Maybe we researched everything thoroughly for yeah, this podcast yeah. <laughs> in the pub beforehand yeah um, as a sort of member of the younger Generation of QPR fans. Steady on. Well, yeah. it's, it's always lovely to hear about all sort of the, the stories in the 50s and 60s and, and the 70s glory years and, and the first division. And, and as Paul says, how QPR has always been um, kind of a community. It's a community of fans and, and it's part of the local community as well. Do you still see that going down to Loftus Road, that that still exists? And, and what kind of did, do you think there's a danger with the way modern football goes that, that clubs, even like QPR, which have very strong community roots, might start drifting away from that and become something slightly different? I think, yes, it does still exist. And if it still exists now, I'm encouraged it will exist in the future because we have been through you know, seasons we'd rather forget, I suppose, in the Premier League. Uh, uh, so it's not as if we're sitting in you know, the Championship thinking what would life be like in the Premiership. We've been there. And I think, remarkably, that, that atmosphere stayed there. That mm. community feeling has stayed there. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll last since the future. It didn't feel any different to me going to Rangers now than it did, you know, in 1958 against Bournemouth. I mean, I saw South Africa Road Stadium going up, so I'm used to that from the early 70s. Used to sit, and that's where I used to see it. Um, and it doesn't look all that different to me. It's a bit of continuity. It's a bit like the Queen, you know. She's <laughs> been there all my life, and so's uh, Loftus Road. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they didn't have the sponsors' names on the back of the shirts and all mm-hmm. that. And God, the pre-match kickabout. I mean, that is just what is all that about yeah. now? <laughs> I mean, they just used to wander out about ten to three. Stan had just put a bet, on them, <laughs> yeah. and someone had dragged him in. You know, <laughs> Rodney. <laughs> Ronnie used to ponce around, as I say, you know, yeah, yeah. juggling oranges or whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, the opposition would run out and you start playing. Yeah. Now, God, yeah, that's all changed. But apart from that, well, it's all the, and all the ritual beforehand when you have to all the shaking hands. It's all, it's yeah, all yeah, yeah, it's all for yeah. TV, isn't it? Yeah, really. But I mean, do you, I mean, sort of on similar theme. Do you think, like over the past few years, we seem to be getting back on track now that QPR sort of lost its identity a bit when we were signing all these players on astronomical wages and. Uh, which all sounded good on paper, but then you had this sort of uh, dressing room of discontent. And uh, yeah. yeah, I do think we're back on. Uh, I saw them when they came and played at Hull. In fact, I'm lucky enough to meet Tony uh, and uh, Les Ferdinand. God, there's me. Oh. I've got my photograph taken. Wow. Had a selfie with Les. <laughs> uh, God, I wouldn't have missed that. And and suddenly, you know, young Furlong, Paul Furlong's son, was playing was his yeah. first match, and there was another guy on a bench uh, who was come through a, a Doherty come yeah. through our own and you know that was the first time I'd seen any homegrown players for in, in years mm. and they lost but Joe Barton got sent off and, oh yeah uh, of course, it was, yeah. It was another, they played alright yeah. Berlin mm. played alright as well and I can't, and and actually Les Fernandez said to me it's too long since we bought players 
through. And that's been a big gap in what we've done. Yeah. I mean, if Arsenal can do that and Man United can do it, we can do it with the kind of talent that's come through. I mean, you know, Sterling went off to Liverpool. Yeah. And there's a load more Sterlings around uh, in West London who would come and play for QPR, I'm sure. Um, I think we, we had a great scout and we would be like players like um, Alan Goddard. Yeah. Macca, Ian Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not being bad. Yeah, 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 no, no. Yeah. He was, he was <laughs> fantastic. We've got most of the Northern Ireland team we've had there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a great, actually, yeah, well, yeah. we're going to France next season. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, yeah, players like that, though, and we seem to have, like when we sold um, Sinton, we managed to get Sinclair. We had a, it was a very, very well run club, and I think where we did go wrong was we tried to put names before talent, and that's, yeah. but I can see what you're saying. I think Chris and Les are going to, change that whole mindset and that's not a bad thing even if it takes two or three seasons to get out of this league as long as we can go back up and compete again and yeah. did, did, did yeah. you, we, I don't suppose you, you were there when we beat Chelsea 1-0 that was a nice night uh, yeah, I was there when we beat Chelsea 1-0 yeah, yeah. that was fantastic yeah. I mean, bloody lucky but we beat them yeah. uh, but the um, the fact that we kept Charlie Austin and Matt Phillips yeah. was just such good news on the transfer mm. now, wasn't it and so you get the feeling that we kept the best of what we at that terrible period of just buying in players the mercenaries have gone by and large uh, some of our own players are coming through there's a bit of a spark there about it, so we shouldn't get over I know it's early <laughs> early in the season uh, but I'm more optimistic about the future of us now in the championship than I was beginning of the last season mm. when we were in the Premiership no absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so now the thing is there's, there's a question I want to ask you you don't have to answer because obviously you're a professional politician right? <laughs> you understand this <laughs> But when you're in these conferences, like you know, when you're playing in the government, and you go to all these, you go to these places, they've got the headphones, they've got the interpreter. Did you ever sneak in a QPR game? <laughs> <laughs> well, tune in to yeah. uh, Radio Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think you would, Alan. Uh, in my memoirs, you might read something different, but I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to talk uh, before we wrap this up about other other MPs in the House of Commons. I mean, presumably there's a few. Uh, big football fans among your peers um, but are there any other um, fan, uh, uh, MPs you particularly have a natter with about football who are uh, any, any yeah. more QPR Stephen fans Pound, there's a guy Stephen Pound who's uh, the MP for Ealing uh, Stephen's a great crack he's a Fulham fan but his son's an absolute mad keen QPR fan Wow! Oh. and goes to all the games goes to all the games and so, uh, so I speak to Stephen a lot Philip Gould was the guy you were trying to think of. Philip uh, Gould right. wasn't an MP, but he was Tony Blair's uh, ace kind of person who uh, determined had the, all these strategy groups and these uh, focus groups that he used to consult um, and died tragically of cancer. But Philip was a mad keen uh, supporter. Across the road is the Treasury, the Chief, uh, the Permanent Secretary at the Treasury, who later went to the Bank of England, was a mad king QPR fan. Okay. They're around all the time. I'm trying to think of another MP. Michael Gove? Michael Gove, yeah, lives in Barbie Road in Notting Hill and is apparently a Rangers apparently. season ticket. A <laughs> uh, season ticket holder. He probably does have a season ticket. I don't think Michael's kind of... I don't know. If he's a QPR, if he's paying money to go and see QPR, great. I'll have a chat with him sometime about it. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had not a natural Brown. football man, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, natural a lot of things. Um, there was um, Je- Jeremy Brown was QPR as well. We Jeremy Brown, that's right, Lib Dan, yeah. Uh, I used to talk to him after every game. We he is actually, he's proper in. He's gone now. 
Yes, I don't. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. almost every league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, to be fair to to Michael Gove, of course, if he wants to come on the podcast. He's he's more than yeah. he can. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, any Chelsea fans that you uh, you, you, you in the House of Commons that you speak to? Uh, no. Is Tony Banks God rest his soul? He used to be a Chelsea sure, fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was the MP for West Ham, which was different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was a Chelsea fan. He was, he was one of the Chelsea fans I actually didn't but mind. I, but I admired Tony because he said, so I'm the MP in Hull, but I make sure I let people know. You know, if they ask me a question, I'm a QPR fan. Yeah. You can't change your team just for a kind no. of political no. advantage. No. And I think football fans respect more, that more, as they did with Tony being a Chelsea fan. He couldn't change that. And David Cameron saying he's a Villa or West Ham. Or <laughs> <laughs> and saying, yeah, saying West Ham. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. That's staggering. I mean, that, to me, is a worse slip than kind of letting out a state secret. <laughs> yeah. to, be, you know, to forget the team you support, yeah. which means you didn't support. In the first yeah, game. there's an awful lot of that in politics yeah. you know, on all sides. You know, they pretend they're. Football. Well, I always find it funny. You, you think football, you know, is, is arouses such passion in people, but there's not that many MPs get involved with football or, or speak that publicly about it. No, not down here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Ian Murray, who's our only MP now in Scotland, he led the big change at Hearts to get uh, yeah, yeah. to have a say. He's the chair of Hearts, yeah. and he. Part of the reason he is our only MP up in Scotland is what he did at Hearts. Yeah. It was incredible. Well, is, there, is there room for MPs to do more? I mean, I know Damien Collins, I think, is the only MP that springs to mind. Too. Um, when you say do more to help, there, yeah. yes, there is. If there's, a, I mean, I've done a bit when David Lloyd was uh, owning Hull City, he was going to shut the ground mm. and shut the keys away and all that. And I got involved in all that, and I've always been uh, involved in the interests of Hull City in my constituency when they need you. You know, they don't. You can't change their fortunes on the field. You can deal with the David Lloyd stuff. Was about the inland revenue, mm. play, you know, shutting the team down and and coming to the front of the queue when uh, when the, they went belly up. So you can influence the treasury to say, look, oh, this is an important community asset. You can do things like that for them. Um, but I think just going back to what you were saying about now it being quite fashionable to follow football teams. Um, I think there is a feeling that. MPs shouldn't pretend to be more than they are in terms of helping a club. You know, the club don't like it, yeah. the fans don't like it, and it's not very good for the MP. If you support a team, we just go along quietly and support them. We'll make a big thing about it. Like, not go on podcasts, you know. Except I don't get anything out of this because there's yeah. not a single person listening who will be able to vote in Hull. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a, there's a few there's a few lists. Well, it's kind of I mean, who am I to talk about where we should come from, where we don't come from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't say it's quite a few. We have a massive uh, listenership, by the way, Alan. Yeah, yeah sure. oh, ten Brilliant. million people will be listening. To it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be fun. And the thing is, when you used to go to Rangers, did you did you go to what was your favorite? Did you have a favorite pub back in the day, and that you went to, or did you just go to the no? Games? What I did in when I was going there most regularly, like every other Saturday, it was. Two or three of us in a car from Slough. Slough's a big oh. kind of people yeah. moved out of West London like I did to the big council estates in Slough. So we used to come down in the car, and you had to get back out on that A forty, and uh, so you'd always sort of get back home. If you're going in a pub at all, you'd be close to home. Yeah. Not, so you, not down at, so yeah. you lived in Slough. You remember when Reading didn't have hoops? Uh, <laughs> they weren't far away. You know, Ian Gillard was uh, off the Britwell Estate in Slough as well. Uh, he was on the podcast last year. He, I didn't realise he played for so many years until he came on. He actually went through it. I mean, talk about a legend. I mean, the, the yeah. years that he did, the 16 years, that he, I think yeah. him and Macca were the, were the top 
appearances. And a very understated Gillard. I mean, he played for England, but he never, you know, he never made a big thing of it. He was quietly got on. I don't remember he ever played for another team after he left Rangers. He probably did. I'm not sure. But I think he did for a while, but he was, yeah. he was very unshowy. You know, Dave Clement was more his oppo at right back was more of a showy kind of player and a you know amazing player. Gillard quietly did his thing. But we always had players like Neil and Dawes had the same thing for years at football yeah, backs as well. Yeah. We had that, but yeah, Dave. I always remember the obviously even though it was a socks time. But I mean, again, another player that I missed. But God, I, so you right? Go back. I know. We're, 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 hold you, hold you up in that there. But that '76 team. Yeah. What do you reckon? Were they the best team never to win the championship? Uh, they were a great team, but they went on this run, this incredible run, from about early December. And the thing that stuffed us was getting beaten at Norwich. Mm. Uh, otherwise, we'd have been champions. But you know, I was there when we got after we beat Leeds two 0 on the Saturday, our last game, one point ahead. Only Liverpool with a match to play. They had to win, not draw, to overtake us. And we thought we'd won the league. And to be there, Jerry Francis coming out with a team on the battle. Where did they come out on the director's box? All on the pitch, cheering and whatever. And then on the Wednesday, so I was postman in Slough, guys in the office, in the sorting office, I was on late turn, I had the radio on, and uh, Liverpool were 1 0 down. Yeah. So we were champions. And I had to go and do the last collection around the town centre. And I went off euphoric, mm. and I came back, oh, and they no. told me what the result was. Uh, a depressing. Depressing. Uh, but hey, I mean, what a great team! What a, I mean, you, know, you can go through all the names of them now and what stars they all—they all were. Well, it's anniversary, isn't it? This year. Next year. No, it's this season. That's why we're doing the um, the proof. Oh right, I see. But the actual uh, the the um, 75, 76 anniversary. Yeah. So, if you could pick, and I don't want to put you in the spot too much, but I am. Who is your three favourite QPR players? I'm, I'm figuring I know what number one is. Yeah. Ronnie Marsh. Yeah. Ronnie Marsh, Stan Bowles, Jerry Francis. There you go. Job done. Right, just before right. we go, I've got one little question to ask you. Uh, choice between QPR winning a trophy in the next five years, Labour getting back into the power, <laughs> what would you have? Well, that is a difficult one. <laughs> that That's is a difficult one. question. Yeah, that I, is. I, I would choose Labour getting back into power, lifting the economy, all the great things we're going to do that will reflect on QPR's ability to then dominate Europe for the next 10 years. <laughs> Perfect. Good answer. That is a brilliant, brilliant answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. We were talking about doing that. Alan, thank you so much Thanks, for joining mate. us on our, on our podcast. It's been one of the best we've done, and thank you so much. And hopefully we'll, we can interview you again. If you, if you no problem. Yeah. Good Thanks, man. lads. Come back in 10 years' time when we're... <laughs> yeah. yeah, Champions yeah, of Europe. Yeah. Champions of <laughs> Europe, okay. yeah. Thanks for listening to the Open All Eyes from the House of Commons. Thank you. The QPR podcast is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code QPRPOD and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. QPR! QPR! Great